Hello and welcome to Eden Runners podcast number 13 with Alan Marshall and Dave Peacock and special guest Paul Sager. Right, first of all, I'd like to say a big hello to our club treasurer and stalwart, Paul Sager. Hello, Paul. Hello and good evening. Hello, <laughs> yes, one of the most popular people in the club. Uh, right, without further ado, we'll move on to the first section tonight, which is the Autumn Race Series. Much awaited, always exciting. But tell us more about it. It's Mr. Marshall. Thanks, Dave. Um, sorry, that wasn't a very exciting, uh, excited way to receive the microphone, was it? I'll start. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, uh, the Club Autumn Road Race Series is uh, just designed as a kind of uh, because the Club Road Race Championships finishes in July and then once we get the summer holidays out of the way, um, we like to run up to Christmas with a series of races which are uh, mostly 10k races, mostly on the road, but gives people a chance uh, to um, <coughs> just keep the, the, the fitness they've built up over the summer, uh, test themselves, see if they can improve, and um, we usually have uh, some uh, exciting prizes to give after the series is finished and the points system is more or less the same as the club championships and the events are, which should be on the club website by now so everybody probably knows them um, the Lancaster 5k on the 25th of September which was uh, two weeks ago so if you didn't go there you've missed that in two days time on the 10th of October we've got the Cumbrian Run half marathon in Carlisle and the Penrith 10k trail race at Lowther which as I say both on the same day so either one of those two races will count if you do both you don't get points for both the next one after that is uh 24th of october at uh, stanley park in blackpool it's a new event it's called the autumn breaker 10k fast course uh, we've done a 10k there before in march uh, a couple of years back and a few world records were um, created on that day uh, not by me but there you go uh, after that 7th of November on a Sunday, the Derwent Water 10, which is a, a beautiful run round Derwent Water, as, as you might guess from the title. Starting from Keswick, um, it, it's always a very well supported event, that, um, so get yourselves to that one. A couple of weeks after that, on Saturday 20th of November, the Brampton to Carlisle 10 miler, that's all on the road. Um, slightly downhill course, very fast, very well supported, especially by lots of the bigger um traditional road running clubs from the northeast of England so that's a, a, a cracking race that is if you want to have break your 10 mile record that's a good place to try and then on the 5th of uh, December we've got a 10k down at Ulverston which is the Ulverston Christmas pudding race and the following weekend <coughs> the um, the the Langdale Christmas pudding races on the 11th and the 12th of December I've missed out the Wesham 10k which Paul's just whispered in my ear on the 27th of November. So that, again, is a fast, flat 10k course down in Preston. Uh, it's always absolutely freezing cold that day, but uh, we always enjoy it. So there's a series of races which I hope um, people will be able to join in with as many as they can. And, and um, we'll have a bit of a laugh along the way, hopefully, and uh, we'll give some prizes out to the winners at the end of the series. So there you have it. Back to you, David. Okay, thanks, Alan. Uh, just a question about the uh, Christmas pudding race. Is it the Saturday or Sunday race? It's either, Dave. So if you run the Saturday or the Sunday, they both count. But you, if you run both, you won't get points for both. You'll get points for the 
faster of the two performances. Does that answer your question? I think there's a bit of an issue here, is there, Dave? I know this is a bit of a hot chestnut every year about having two options, but I'm not going to bring it up this year for the first time. An excellent selection, <laughs> an excellent selection of races. Uh, Paul, have you got any uh, favourites from that list? I'm just finishing my cake. Sorry about that. Um, the reason I remembered the Wesham and reminded Alan so promptly there was that I've just entered that. Um, <laughs> and I've also entered the Dermwater 10. So, But unfortunately, I can't do anything this Sunday. I'm really uh, unhappy about that. I've, I'm doing some volunteering. I was going to do Kevin's um, um, Low the Trail Race, which I would recommend to you because I did do that last year. I know it's sort of very late, but if you can get there on Sunday and support Kevin's event, I think it, you certainly can enter on the day. And it was a really well-organized race last year. Lots of uh, mementos at the end. T-shirts, which Alan doesn't like, but hats. Um, and, yeah, lots of other things. I can't quite remember what, but fr no free cake. No, I had to pay for the cake. Um, so, yes, that's all I wanted to say about that. Enjoy the autumn series. Alan's put a lot of work into it. So has Dave, and it's, it's looking good. Can you just remind everybody, Alan, where, the, where they can find a list of these races if they don't already know? Yes, on the club website, under um, um, members information, there is a, a little box which you click on, which is, I think it might be called uh, 2010 Road Championships. So it'll be fairly self-evident. If you click on there, there's a list of the events. And uh, before each weekend uh, race comes up a few days before, I'll keep putting things on the discussion group so that... Everybody knows what time we're leaving and meeting and, and stuff like that. And whether there's uh, likely to be free cake. Okay? Okay, thanks, Alan. Right. Uh, that covers the Autumn Race Series. I think what we'll do is we'll move straight on to Club News to be followed by our Skipton Cup review and then the much-awaited Paul Sega interview, followed lastly by Gripes of Wrath, ever popular. Right, okay. Heading on to uh, news, I've got a few things I'll just pipe up with right now the first thing is the uh, presentation night which is on the 22nd of october at gianni's uh prizes will be how can we put it presented to people <laughs> for the uh, club road race series and fell series along with several prizes for bespoke prizes for eden runner of the year eden newcomer of the year eden runner's most improved runner of the year and there may be other ones, but those are the ones that come to mind straight away. The trophies and the medals will be fantastic, I know, because I've ordered them. They've been designed by Sarah Hiscock, so they're going to be something special. So uh, if you haven't already, please get please go on the discussion board, get a hold of Andy Walker and tell him that you're going to be making the Giannis and make your selection from that excellent menu. Limited numbers, obviously, Dave, so get in quickly uh, while you've got the chance. Paul, you're not going, are you? <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm not going. I feel... I <laughs> Alan's really put me on the spot. But I've, I've got some prior engagements over in the northeast, which I'm not going to go into, but I'm kind of spending a week or even longer in the northeast, which came at, at, at the last minute, and I really can't. I'd love to be there. I've enjoyed the last few presentation evenings, and um, I, I'm looking forward to the video of that presentation, which I th I'm sure Dave is going to produced because um, he's so good at that sort of thing. Paul, we will be coming to you, fear not, we will be coming to you live by video link on presentation evening, straight into Gianni's. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
beamed in by satellite phone from the northeast of England, where I believe they have electricity <laughs> <laughs> and a phone signal occasionally. Anyway, back to you, David. Just moving on slightly there, but also to do with the presentation night. We are expecting to be able to do our roving interview at the presentation night, like we did last year. Uh, Alan and myself will be roving around the tables, getting people's comments on the night and the people who have run the prizes. So that's something to look forward to, the Eden Runners Oscar. Mr. Sega wants to add something else. He's obviously making up for the fact he's not going to be there. I, I wish I could give some comments on that night. I really do. I, I know there's not going to be a video conference, but perhaps if you can tell me who's going to win, I could give you my comments here tonight. Uh, but that's, no, that would spoil the evening. Well, Paul, even I don't know who's going to win. So uh, we, we just don't know. Okay, next bit of club news uh, is to do with uh, Chris Boyd. And I'll just pass it to Alan Marshall for that. Hi, Dave. Uh, Chris is off to Ecuador. Uh, he's raising money for um, leukemia uh, research f uh, in children. Um, he's off to Ecuador. I don't know a great deal of detail about his trip, but he's climbing four separate volcanoes. <laughs> it's it's at least four or possibly five. I think it's four four and a half volcanoes. Anyway, uh, he's doing it all for charity. There is a link on the club discussion group you can go to um, to find out. You know, get through to his web the the Just Giving website where you can pledge money for his uh, epic trip. So we'll not be seeing Chris for a while, but uh, I hope he's he's actually left now. I think as we speak. So. Hopefully he's um, doing all right. Well, we all hope we get him on the next podcast, don't we? We hope so. Um, we may have to travel to Ecuador to actually <laughs> do that. <laughs> but I don't care about that, actually. I like a day out. You did say one of the volcanoes is, is live. One of them is actually active. Yeah. Well, I hope that uh, he, he takes care. I think that's the main thing. As Paul's pointing out, Paul, do you want to heckle into the microphone? It's a politically unstable country, Ecuador, at the moment. That's correct. Guardian reader Paul Sega. <laughs> Throwing nuggets out all the time. Uh, club news. Winter training uh, schedule ought to be going on the club website sometime this weekend. If it isn't up already, I've um, sent it on to John. It's an extremely tasty-looking programme, even if I say so myself, of Wednesday night um, entertainment for everybody. Um, the first one will come, since the Skip and Cup's now out of the way, this Wednesday coming, the 13th of October, we kick off the uh, autumn stroke winter season with a time trial, a 1.75 mile time trial around the Oak Road Loop. And the idea there is that you run as fast as you possibly can, set yourself a time, and um, we'll do another time trial at the end of the winter season to uh, see if you've actually improved or disproved. Um, everybody... Everybody should but disproved. Oh, you got the dictionary there. Everybody ought to be. Anybody who's done the Skip and Cup series anyway ought to be particularly sharp, I would say, just now. So that's going to be interesting. See, if s I bet there's a few PBs on that time trial uh, next Wednesday if anybody turns up to run it. After that, we go into uh, an endurance session the following Wednesday, the 20th. And then on the 27th, we have uh, a, a, a yet another rocket run. I think it's Andrew's 11th rocket run. Uh, which is always a well-supported event. Everybody enjoys that. Thereafter, we go hill session, speed session. Then there's a par-off on the 17th of November, which will have to get organised. And then we're into the recce and the actual event of the New Streets Challenge, which this year is on the 1st of December. Uh, top of Fell Lane, 7 o'clock start. Everybody dreads it, but everybody loves it at the same time. 
and then it'll be Christmas <laughs> before you know it. So, uh, yeah, back over to you, David, I think. Just a few bits of uh, quick news here. Uh, Alex Davis uh, mentioned on the last interview, I think you got a round of applause for it. Remember, we had our Eden Runners Committee meeting podcast number 12. He's now qualifies a level one athletics coach. So well done to Alex. Uh, he's now going to be moving on to his level two, uh, which would be fantastic. It is, yes, and hopefully we'll get it, along with his good lady, Kerry. Right, next bit of uh, news is uh, apparently on the rumour mill, John Bridge is revamping the Eden Runners website. Uh, I've had a quick glimpse of it. I believe you have as well, Alan. And it does look special. So we look forward to that. Well done to John, putting all that time and effort in. The last bit of club news for me before I pass over to Paul Sager, who's got some very exciting news he wants to talk about, about an Eden Runners success, is the lady with the big balls, or Sue Reed as she's known, who's a sports masseur, who's based above Bartley's Bank in Keswick. Uh, we do know her from doing a fi uh, fitness session recently. We are looking to bring her over on a Saturday morning and do a two to three hour session for as many Eden Runners as we can cram into a room at the rugby club. Um, I think it'll be fantastic. I do have the use of her services at the moment and I can strongly recommend her if anybody wants to have a chat with me in the bar on a Wednesday evening. Right, uh, just for the last bit of club news, we don't normally do this, get guests involved on this stage, but Paul's been quite vocal so far, so we may as well go with the flow. He's got some news about an Eden runner who's done very well in a race. Paul? I'm surprised to be doing this, actually. I thought uh, one of our main presenters would have done this, but they seem to know nothing about it, which I'm <laughs> absolutely surprised and a bit disappointed, actually, to hear. Because two weeks ago, may have got that a bit slightly awry in the timings, but uh, Mark Bissell, who, who we all know, the artist from the club, um, comp competed in, a, in an unusual event, shall we say, a 24-hour marathon around a running track in Tooting Beck in London. Um, this is a, a weird, well, not a weird event, but a, a sort of massive endurance event, obviously. And Mark... It's, I think it's the second time he's competed in an event like this, and he finished third, having covered 122 miles in those 24 hours. And he was only 10 kilometers behind the winner. Uh, he finished third, and I think there were about 40 runners. Um, so that is a, a massive, massive achievement. Um, th there was an unfortunate end to the... To the <laughs> to the story but uh, shortly after the race he kind of just became felt really faint and had to spend about three or four days in hospital um, I think it's a question of his getting his rehydration or his refueling a bit wrong but I mean um, I, th I think you know he, he's, he's had some coaching I believe but uh, maybe we should ask Dave to go on a special course for ultra marathon running because he, he I, I was speaking to him on Wednesday night and he is keen to um do this event again next year or uh and he want you know he's got great ambitions to get into the british team and, and stuff like this so all fair play to to mark he's, he's obviously uh do you want to say anything on this one alan um I just wanted to ask you paul i know it's preempting the uh paul seagate interview slightly but after a race have you ever spent three or four days in hospital <laughs> let me think no no i haven't no 
but but yeah so and, and i think there's another event which they want me to talk about which again i'm equally surprised about because um a, a neighbor of mine um luke walsh and his partner gudrun gudrun Rivets from skirreth who haven't been to the club that many times but joined last uh when did they join alan membership secretary pardon springtime springtime yeah so in the Langdale Marathon, which again was held just recently, um, Luke finished second. In, in, and I think we all know the Langdale Marathon is a pretty tough event. Uh, he finished second, beaten by Steve Littler from Westham Roadrunners, who actually won the Edinburgh Marathon in May of this year. So that was a tremendous event, a tr tremendous achievement rather from, from Luke. Um, and his partner Gudrun finished 14th overall, third female, which again is an unbelievable achievement which i think might have just gone under the radar um although alan did i think bring it up on the discussion board but it uh and it was completely ignored he said which surprises me yeah right, yeah so so i think we uh need to give them some recognition and a big a big pat on the back and a big up what's a big up oh big up right okay yeah Okay, we'll move on to our last bit of club news. Uh, last but very important, and that's about the cross-country season from Alan Marshall. Thanks, Dave. Yes, it's time to uh, scrape the mud off your spikes from last autumn that you swore that you would do when you were... Uh, sorry, from last spring you swore you would do when you got home and you didn't do. Uh, it's time to stick your spikes in the bucket of water, get all that mud off. Uh, the cross-country season started, uh, or starts, shall I say, for us. Uh, the Cumbrius cross-country series First event, October the 16th at Cockermouth. Second event, October 23rd at Penrith, which I believe is going to be a French field and running around the grounds of Hunter Hall School. Uh, then it's November 27th at Maryport. I know that clashes with the Wesham 10K, but you have to make your choice. Then the week after that, uh, Carlisle Sheep Mount on December the 4th. Um, then we move into 2011. And the final event in the series, the fifth one, is at uh, Fitz Park in Keswick on January the 8th. So that's the Cumbria cross-country series. And those races, for anybody who doesn't know, are shorter races. They, they operate a pack system. They usually have three sort of, uh, well, three packs, actually, of runners that set off uh, slowest, uh, medium ability, and then the fastest ones at the back. And they all end on a basically on a handicap system. And it all ends up in a big melee uh, at the finish line, everybody finishing more or less at once. So that's interesting to run. The courses tend to be quite short, so you're talking about sort of six or seven kilometres, uh, usually for the seniors. Um, and uh, quite different from the Midlands series, which I'm going to talk about now, which starts with the first fixture on October the 30th at Barrow. Midlands, as the name might apply, brings a lot of runners from Lancashire. Uh, usually ends up with massive fields on the senior event, so you're talking 200 sometimes runners in the in the, in the women's and the men's. First event, as I say, October 30th at Barrow. Second event is on the 27th of November, yet again at Liverpool at Sefton Park. The third round doesn't take place until... Oh, I'm sorry, I've missed one out. November the 13th, how professional. November the 13th, that's a Saturday, uh, at Blackburn at Whitton Park. That's a horrendous course, but all the more enjoyable for it. 22nd of January next year, uh, on to Burnley, Townley Park, that is. And uh, then we've got one at Blackpool on the 12th of February. And the final one is on March the 12th at Skelmersdale. Now, Skelmersdale is a place I've never run in my life, so I'm really looking forward to that one. 
So that's your cross-country fixtures as they are, but keep an eye on the message board because uh, things will develop as we go through the winter. Thank you very much. And am I right in thinking, Alan, that anybody who's interested in running for the Eden Runners cross-country team this year will be sp good, speak to your good self? Yes, if they just have a word with me, that'll be fine. Thank you. Okay, so let's see if we can get a really good team out this year and grab back some of the glory that we've had in former years. Certainly seems like we've got a, a lot of good runners in the club at the moment, probably the best we've ever had. So let's get them out there competing for the club. And that ends our club news section. Okay, the next section is the Skipton Cup review for 2010. As you may have heard by now, Skipton Cup was last run, I believe, in about 2005. Used to be, used to be popular within the club. Decided to give it a go again this year, see what happens. Basically, it starts off with one race, which is a straightforward race, and the winner receives the most points, down to the person who finishes last receives one point. Then goes on from a handicap to the second race, then the handicaps are adjusted for a third race and so on. And the person with the most points at the end is the winner. Now, just to start off, the first race was held five weeks ago on a course which starts off near Carlton Hall Police, uh, Police HQ, round past but through Broom Village, turning off, back round past Broom Castle, under the underpass, up Frenchfield, and finishing near the Cross Keys pub. The first week in a straight race, uh, we had 40 runners in the race, which was most runners we've ever had for this event in its whole history. And in third place, it was Alan Marshall, who clocked a fantastic 19.12, followed, sorry, not followed. In second place was Martin Hepworth, who did 19.07, and it was won, in other words, the Skipton Cup male winner was, the winner was Mark Bissell, who we've already mentioned tonight, who did a tremendous 18.51, breaking 19 minutes. The third place for the ladies was Emma Carrick, who did 23.37. Second place, Teresa Douglas, did 23.34. And it was won by Karen Bridge, who was the first ever winner of the Skipton Cup uh, 10 years ago in a fantastic 20.29. So as I say, 40 runners in the first race, very well supported, uh, very competitive. We then did the handicaps and went to the second race. Second race... Um, as I say, there was, there was 33 runners in the second race. Everybody starting off at different times. And in third place that night was Steve Tomlin, who actually ran a time of 22.51 to finish third after his handicap was adjusted. Second place was Jill Silson, tremendous performance, who ran 27.33 to finish second. And in first place was a very sleek Andrew Bell, who ran 27.54 to take first position. So, it was all hotting up there. Shall we say the, the, the more slow runners came to the fore in the second race? We then got the third race, where really the handicaps started to tighten up. And it was a very, very close finish, with a lot of people finishing within a few seconds of each other. In third place was Sarah Hiscock, who ran 31.23. Mike Bell, who ran 20.04. In first place, Andrew did it again to finish in 20.36. That was another... Large-scale improvement by that man by over a minute. He looked even slimmer that night. <laughs> we then went to uh, race four with everything balanced in terms of overall points. Really could have been anybody who could win it. Uh, again, it was a good turnout. 
in the top three places would take well let's go for the top five places why not for the last race was Teresa Douglas in fifth who ran 23.09 fourth place was Tony Lowry who ran 23.37 followed by his good neighbour Paul Sager and tonight's guest on 22.49 second place Andrew Bell was pipped for once in a handicap race another tremendous improvement down to 26.02 uh, which is really what it's all about, really, improvement. In first place, Jill Silson took her revenge after a stutter in the third race and finished an unbelievable 26-26. Now, going on to the overall points total, where we had to total of 43 runners in all told, the winner actually won by just one point. They finished within one place of each other on the, in the race four. If it had been two places, then we would have had a different winner. But going from the for the um, I'm going to go for the top eleven actually, and you'll you'll see why when I say them. In joint eleventh was Alan Marshall and Paul Sager on sixty five points. Tenth place was Jill Silson on sixty seven. Ninth place Mark Bissell on sixty nine. Oops, sixty eight points. My eyesight. In eighth place was Karen Bridge on seventy points. In seventh place, Sean Graham on 71. Sixth place, John Bridge on 72. Um, <laughs> in fifth place, John Nicholson with 76. Tremendous performance by John there. Fourth place, very unlucky fourth place, Kevin Scott on 83. Just pipped in third place, I think probably deservedly so, with all due respect to Kevin, by Andrew Bell, who scored 84 points. Then in second place was Mike Bell on 90. And the winner for the first time this year, another neighbour of Paul Sager, is Steve Patterson, who's new to the club, but is a member, so is entitled to win, who scored 91 points. Tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And he will be coming along at the presentation night to pick up his excellent silver trophy and various other things. Now, just really to give you an idea... On some of the times, if, if we're looking at the top end, in the first race, say we had three people who managed to get under 20 minutes, which was Mark Bissell, Martin, Hep Martin Hepworth and Adam Marshall. In the second race, we, let's have a look, we had Steve Patterson, who did 19.15. Mark Bissell, who came down to 17.57, is absolutely tremendous. Karen Bridge, who ducked under 20 minutes on 19.42. We then had... Martin Hepworth, who did 18.37, another tremendous improvement. And Alan Marshall, 19.06, another improvement. We went to the third race, under 20 minutes this time. We just mentioned Mike Bell, just missed out on 20.04. But we also had John Bridge, who dipped under 20 minutes for the first time on 19.54. Alan, who went down to 18.49, which under 19 minutes is breathtaking, really, and I probably was out of breath. Steve Patterson, 19.07. Kevin Scott, who didn't break 20 minutes, but he did 2018, so he came down close. Cowan Bridge, another tremendous performance, 1946. And in the final race, under all the mounting pressure, we had uh, Mark Bissell, who, as I say, Paul said, is obviously especially out of hospital, still managed to win 1942, which was pretty darn good. We also had Steve Patterson, who did 1903. Mike Bell, who did 20 minutes exactly. So well done to Mike. Uh, so some excellent performances there. I believe, Alan, that you crashed out with a, with a calf injury prior to the race. That's right, Dave. My body couldn't stand the pressure. 
uh, of uh, running all these uh, high quality fast uh, races one after the other uh, and um, something had to give and sadly it was my calf but I, on a slightly serious note here I would just like to say this has been a tremendous event for the club I think I've not experienced running the Skipping Cup before didn't uh, expect it to engender such um, fantastic support and enthusiasm amongst people who I have to say quite a lot of these people they probably don't realise because they're not racing very regularly they don't realise how fast they actually can run um, when they're pushed and that's why you get such a, a, a marked improvement uh, as Dave has already mentioned over um, the weeks of the, the, the handicap series so it's been it's been tremendous um, a, a tremendous event for the club and, and, and I for one would like to say a big thanks to Dave for his organisation I'm sure Mr Sega would if he was listening to what I was saying would probably echo that wouldn't you Paul? I would like to echo that. As I said to Dave a few weeks ago, it's a, this Skipton Cup is a great, great product. And he laughed. <laughs> but I was right. I was right. It's a product. It's, it's been marketed uh, extremely well with these crazy mugs with crazy faces on. I, haven't yet, I hope I'm going to see those tonight, but maybe not. Have they arrived yet? They haven't arrived yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I unfortunately was on holiday for two weeks, but, but uh, managed to m make a tremendous comeback in that final event. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I won't mention who I took on the final hill. They know who they are. <laughs> Thank you for those uh, comments, most valuable. Now, for ne as I say, the prizes will be presented at the presentation night. Well done to everybody who took part. As Alan said, everybody's a winner, and I do sort of agree with them, especially those people who improved. So well done to them. We are looking at some, uh, believe it or not, improvements for next year, if that's possible. One of them is to have a piggyback on the uh, Tour de France and have a yellow vest or bib for the person who's leading the competition so they can be seen at all times. Obviously, after the race, if they're no longer the leader, that bib will be forcibly removed from them and it'll be passed to whoever has taken over for the next race. So I think that's not a bad idea, a little bit of fun. We also think about having a team event of three people, especially with the Skipping Cup. It doesn't matter what you, how fast you can run. It's all about the handicap and improvement. So probably we're looking at a team event next year and getting that finishing funnel sorted out a bit more. I think we'll also all start all the races at 6.30, so there isn't any confusion for next year. So apologies to people who turned up and expected the run to be at 7 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, obviously, I would always suggest that you check the discussion board, but uh, since they didn't, I do apologise. Uh, and that's everything for the Skipton Cup. Thank you. Okay, we're now moving on to what you've all been waiting for. Uh, hopefully with the um, podcast notes, you may have went straight here, but you would have missed a lot of good stuff if you have. Right, well, first of all, we've, we've got Paul Sager, who we've been trying to get on the podcast for many, many occasions, but he's a man who has a lot of adventure in his life. He likes to go off to places, usually on a weekend, which means a Friday, so he doesn't tend to get involved with the podcast. But he's here this week, and we're going to make the most of him. Now, you may wonder what Paul does in his spare time. Now, Paul's going to give us a little bit of background on that. But I know he's very proud about the Colgate Calf, also known as the Vic, which is the sort of powerhouse behind. We've been eating cake from the Colgate Calf. It's first class lemon cake, I believe. Ice lemon tray break. I'm sure it'll be reasonably priced as well. I've been to the, uh, the calf for a quiz night, although the quiz night was rather fixed. 
it was a tremendous night uh, and the uh, pie and mushy peas was tremendous. So I'm just going to pass it to Paul first of all. He's going to give us a little bit of a uh, few things he wants to sort of say before we get started. So look upon it as a little bit of a commercial. So here we go. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, I just wanted to give the, the Colgate Community CAF, as Dave calls it, or the VIC, as we sometimes call it, a plug because it is a fantastic place and if you're ever passing anywhere near Kulgaith on a Thursday afternoon between two and four, do pop in and see us. As Dave said, cake, uh, biscuit, homemade biscuits, homemade cakes, coffee, tea, sometimes soup. If you're lucky, we had soup there yesterday. And yesterday we had a visit from a guy who was doing the Land's End to John O'Groat cycle race, would you believe? He popped in for a, for a cuppa and couldn't believe the hospitality that he got there. He signed our visitor's book and um, we're trying to get it well known amongst the cycling community that we are open, unfortunately just on a Thursday afternoon, but plan your cycling trips accordingly is all, what I can say, or plan your hiking, or plan your business trips, whatever, just make sure you come and see us, <laughs> because it's absolutely fantastic, Dave's giving me strange signs here, I think he wants me to shut up about the cafe for the moment, so I'll just leave it at that, okay. Hey, thanks for that Paul, remember Thursday's two to four, it's a bit like Brigadoon. It's not, it's not there very often. When it is, it's a magical place. Okay, we'll move on now to the uh, first question. And uh, the first, as you, anybody who knows Paul Sager will know that he's, shall we say, of more advanced years than he would he'd like to be. He looks good for his age and he's fast. But let's all find out, when did you start running, Paul? And how? Right, when did I start running? Yeah, well, I wasn't a runner at school because running at school wasn't cool. At school, cool was playing rugby, playing football, playing cricket, but not cross-country running because they were baggy-shorted boys who kind of didn't get girls but just kind of plodded around muddy fields. So I just didn't get into that at all. But w now, wish, wish, wish that I had because I just love running now. Um, so I still don't get any girls. That's absolutely right. But what was your supplementary question there, Dave? What, when... Wh why did I get involved? Well, um, those of uh, those of the older listeners amongst you will remember the running boom, which I think began in the 1970s, was it, Alan, or was it the 1980s? Actually, in America, it was the 70s, when Frank Shorter won the Olympic marathon title, I think, in 1972, and Jim Fix, anybody remember Jim Fix? Wrote the famous book about running and unfortunately died shortly afterwards. <laughs> not, not a well. No, he was a good advert for running, and his book was a <laughs> was a bestseller. But that kind of started the running boom in America, and um, people like Brendan Foster in the early '80s picked up on that, and of course started the Great North Run. And I think that's the one of the first competitive races that I remember. The Great North Run in 1983 was the f one I competed in. Alan's just telling me it's 1981 was the first one. He's absolutely right there. But I uh, joined up two years later. Um, and can I say, that was a really badly organized race. Th I'm sure it's much better now, but it's put me off the Great North Run. I've never done it since. Um, because a friend of mine and myself arrived at the start with our bags. The transport bus had gone. We didn't know what to do. Some Geordie bloke came up to us and says, I'll take these to the to South Shields for you and we thought yeah we'll give it a go so we gave our all our uh, worldly goods to this Geordie guy 
And sure enough, it turned up in South Shields. So that, that was a good end to that story. But, uh, but it certainly put me off the, um, the Great North Run. I've never done it since. So that's when I started. I did the, the London Marathon in 1984, which was the year after, yeah. I did the York Half Marathon, which Alan endlessly reminds me of, because that was one which was won by Charlie Spedding, who is Alan's ultimate hero, I think, in the running sphere. So um, that's when I started, the early 80s, the running boom. And I've sort of ran on and off ever since, but really took it up in earnest, I think, since, I w since coming to... Um, Penrith and working in Penrith in the year 2000 and joining Eden Runs of course the best running club in Penrith <laughs> yes I believe you're right there it is the best running club in Penrith okay Alan over to you for the next question thanks Dave Paul can I just say that was the longest answer to a question <laughs> we've ever had on the podcast but but no it was tremendously entertaining right I've got a question here which has been sent in by our um, chairman in absence, uh, I don't know if that's where in absentia, Dave's correcting me here. I'm, I was a bit reluctant to use that phrase because I don't actually know what it means. But it's from Andrew Sharples and it goes like this Paul, do you have any specific strategies for running handicap series style races? I have one simple strategy run your fastest throughout the series. Don't worry about handicap times or handicap bandits like Andrew Sharples. <laughs> Just do your best. That is tremendous. Handicap bandits. That will pass into Eden Runners folklore. <laughs> really. Um, Dave, have you got the next question? Right. Oh. Paul, you referred there to uh, me endlessly going on about the York Half Marathon. I think that's unjustified. 1985, I have to say. But can you tell us about the York Half Marathon <laughs> 1985? Um, I can just about remember it, yeah. I got my PB of 1 hour 25. I think Charlie Spedding did it a bit quicker than that, but th that was kind of 1 hour 25 was, is kind of something that I obviously don't get anywhere near now, and I just remember it as being a very, very hard race. Very flat course, around the race course, I believe, finished at the race course. Um, and it was tough, yeah. Thanks, Paul. Obviously, a very emotional experience uh, recollecting uh, days gone by there. I, I think Dave's probably got another question lined up, so I'll hurl the microphone across to Dave. Okay, after those first three emotional answers, uh, it's, it's, like a, it's like a radio phone interview, this, isn't it? I mean, the quality, the quality is fantastic. Um, and just another little f a little fact here, but a snippet, because I know that listeners like to get behind the person who's been interviewed. Well, in a way, get behind what he's all about, not behind him, obviously. The uh, is Paul's one of the, is, is the best crossword puzzle answerer or completer or compiler, not compiler, completer ever come across. When we went away to Portugal, it was like he could you could finish off a crossword in a few seconds faster than I could write them in. So you know, not a lot of people would have thought that of Paul because. You know, he doesn't come across as, you know, being particularly, you know, clever. <laughs> right, second question. Um, what has changed the most at Eden Runners over the last 10 years in your experience? What has changed for the better in the last 10 years? And what has changed for the worse? That's a very hard question, Dave. Um, it's, it's 
it's been a great club for the whole tenure, so it's it's hard to kind of. But I think maybe the social side is we've got more members. The the the, the social side in the bar afterwards is probably uh, better. Perhaps we've had times when not many people went went into the bar after on a Wednesday night session. Um, I think that's all I want to say, really. I think that silence uh, says a lot about my question, the quality of my question. Right, I'll go on, and I hope for this one. I was hoping for a little bit of controversy there, but Paul always likes to be nice, at least when he's sober. And um, okay, question number three. As we, as a lot of people may know, but you and Brian Clough share something in common in that you're both from Middlesbrough. Do you feel that like you have any qualities which you share with Brian Clough? That is a silly question, Dave. <laughs> But I shall try to answer it. <laughs> Not really, no. He was a big-headed uh, T-side. Admittedly from uh, very close to where I used to live in Middlesbrough, but um, he was a very good footballer. I wasn't as good as him. He's a very loud-mouthed git, really, so I'm nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> so really, I don't think we do share anything. Uh, I did... Used to drink a lot, but I, I don't drink hardly any at all now. But uh, yeah, I, I did have a, a few moments of kind of alcoholic abuse during my. <laughs> I feel as though I'm on the psychiatrist's ch uh, couch at the moment, uh, but I'm not going to say any more about that. He doesn't drink a lot apart from between two and four on a Thursday <laughs> at the Vic Cafe. Right, over to you, Alan, for the next question. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Paul. I read uh, the aforementioned Charlie Spedding's autobiography recently. Which so did you. A, a tremendous book. There's a chapter in it which is entitled Me and Paul Sager. <laughs> and in it he alludes to his experience racing against you in the 84 London Marathon and in the also former in the 85 York Half. Um, what are your recollections of your... Um, Interactions with Charlie, have you got any? Yeah, that's really you, mate. I've just it just occurred to me. Yeah, I, f I finished behind him in the London Marathon and behind him in the York Half Marathon. He won both races and he went on to big things. And I'm here at Eden Runners <laughs> plodding along, but I, I'm not sure whether he's running at the moment. I think he's running a chemist shop. Alan was telling me, um, you were telling me, Alan, rather. Um, so I didn't see him much in during either race, to be honest with you, but I think it's rather spooky that he did beat me in both those races. Uh. <laughs> and when you bring your book out, My Story, Paul Sager, are you going to mention <laughs> Charlie and devote a chapter to him in that? I, I most certainly will, yeah. Um, and there is another connection, actually, which I, I reminded Alan of just a few weeks ago. In that the aforementioned book, which I would recommend, what's the title, Alan? <laughs> I can't remember, but it is Charlie Spedding's autobiography. He lived in America, and he he shared a house with a huge fan of Jackson Brown. And my partner is a huge fan of Jackson Brown. It gets spookier. <laughs> what what happened? Jackson Brown. He is uh, from the west coast, I think, of the USA. He's a he's a he's a famous drinker. <laughs> no, he's not. Dave's telling me to hold the microphone closer. <laughs> he um, singer-songwriter, West Coast, prevalent probably, yeah, wrote lots of very famous songs, one of which made famous most of all by 
the Eagles. I don't know if anybody of a certain age has heard of the Eagles. Um, uh, let's not sing Take It Easy, Paul, at all. But that's who Jackson Brown is. Uh, he probably sitting there at this moment thinking, wow, Paul Sager's talking about me at last. Uh, of course he does. He's an, he's an avid subscriber. Um, I'm going to uh, keep hold of the microphone here and ask another question. I'm going to ask, switch tack slightly and say to Paul, what's been your most problematic injury, Paul? A broken leg in 1967 when I was 15. I think Alan meant running injuries. I, I, I'm touching wood, I've not had too many serious injuries, a back injury occasionally, but, but and I think it's because of my attitude to, to racing, really. I'm just... <laughs> Actually, I, I just thought of something relating to an earlier question um, when Dave said, what is worse? Can, can I... In the early days, and I've got in front of me a book here which reminded me of that, uh, Running Over 40 by Bruce and Sue Tullow. In the early noughties, we used to have uh, events where we, had, we were addressed by famous people. And Bruce Tullow came to talk to us in on the 21st of January 2003. I know that because he's written the date in the front of the book that I've got. So we don't have enough famous people coming to see us at Eden Runners. I think that's my quibble. And I think Dave ought to talk to people like Steve Cram and Brendan Foster and Alan could talk to Charlie Spedding, try and get them to come along. How One thing I've noticed over all the years, Paul, that I've known you at Eden Runners is that you seem to have maintained your sort of quality of performance over the years. Uh, something which sadly I have not been able to do. Um, is that because when I first knew you, you were exceptionally slow and have just maintained that? Or have you got another secret? I've got a secret, and it's characterized by this story, which I read in the newspaper the other day, actually, from somebody called Mike Shannon. You might remember Mike Shannon. He used to be a famous football, and now he's a famous racehorse trainer. And let me let me give it to you. I'm hoping I'm allowed to say this. It's, uh, I know it's before the watershed, but... Um, it's a story about a young bull and an old bull looking across to a valley of looking across the valley to a field of cows. And the old bull says to the young bull, "Let's run over there and shag one of those cows." And the old bull says, "No, let's walk over and shag them all." So I think that sums up my my longevity and supreme performances over many, many years. Thank you. We're finally going to get that explicit tag on our uh, podcast. Okay, my uh, final question. Another emotional journey for you this one, Paul, so prepare yourself. Brace yourself, as we say in the northeast. Um, do you prefer Middlesbrough or Penrith? And whatever your answer is, why? Oh, that is a really emotional question, Dave, isn't it? As you know, you always have a soft spot for your hometown, and I still do have a soft spot for Middlesbrough. Um, and I've got a soft spot for Middlesbrough Football Club, which is really depressing and disappointing, particularly at the moment, because it just kind of affects me so much. Um, so I think I would say Penrith, because it kind of gets me away from that disappointment and that the horrible things that are happening over there at the moment with the football club. But that's it. That I can't really uh, choose between the two. I, lo I love both places, really. Your ass must be hurting sitting on that fence, Paul. 
Right. <laughs> well, it's fair enough. I know it's difficult. Right. I'll, and also another thing is, you know, they say that, uh, you know, that w- we don't have enough sort of diversity on this podcast. Well, tonight we've got a Millsborough supporter, a Newcastle United supporter and a Sunderland supporter. And we've had no fighting, no knife attacks, no glasses in the face. But tonight is young. Right. I'll pass on to Alan, I think, probably for the final question of the interview. Dave, this question is, I've actually got two because I've got another one from Andy. So sorry, it may be controversial. But my final question is this one, Paul. Uh, You're in charge currently of the, I'm not um, um, implying that you're about to lose this job, but you're currently in charge of administering the full range of Eden Runner's kit. Yes? When did you first realise that you were a style icon and what brought it to your attention? I honestly didn't realise I was a style icon, Alan, and uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know when I became one, and what, and I think um, that's just left me speechless. I can't, I can't respond to that one. Just before we go to Alan's final question, uh, Paul was unable because of his many, you know, other commitments in social life to make the podcast twelve, where we had the full committee. And I know he was very disappointed not to have made that uh, committee meeting. It wasn't just because of the specialty beers that were available on that night. And I just think, you know, put Alan's mentioned that he's, th- he's took over the role as kit man at Eden Runners, which he's, uh, he's done a tremendous job, sort of merchandising, etc. He's, he's forward brow there. I don't know why he's going to resign tonight. Um, but he's also been the club treasurer for several years. As he, uh, you can't see this, but he's got his little diamond, his bling with him at the moment. Uh, and I just thought, you know, it'd be be good if Paul could just sort of talk a little bit about what he does as treasurer. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I did. I did miss that uh, event. I would have prepared something for that, but I haven't prepared anything for this tonight. Didn't expect that question. But of course, treasurer, take in money, pay out money, keep things in order in the bank. Pay lots of visits to Barclays Bank, where I'm on good terms with uh, Dave's wife. We we meet often together, and <laughs> she probably is more familiar with me now than she is with with Dave. You know. Um, you know, I probably give her more money than Dave gives her. <laughs> um, but you know, it's 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 not a very onerous job, but it's you know, and it entails lots of visits to the bank. It's an important job, yeah. And um, I'm pleased to say, as we'll find out the AGM next week, we're in a very healthy financial position, and long may it continue. You've certainly done a better job than Gordon Brown did. So well done, Paul. Right, I'll pass you on, Alan, for the last question. Thanks, Dave. Again, this is uh, by proxy from our absent chair, Mr. Andrew Sharple. So, this is the question, Paul. Imagine if Andy were asking you this question. And don't hit me, okay? It's Andy you need to punch. If you were sharing a room with a snorer, (laughs) would you, A, shout till you woke him and ask him to stop, B, wait until morning quietly take him to one side and ask that he take measures to stop or C <laughs> loudly announce the, fo- <laughs> the following morning that and I quote here I'll admit to the farting but definitely not the snoring <laughs> which of those three options would you take well C just didn't make sense because that assumes that I was doing the snoring which clearly I wasn't and I think Mr. Charles is referring to several holidays I've had the unfortunate experience of sharing 
I was going to say beds there, not quite beds, but rooms with Mr. Sharples. And on each occasion, he's managed to wake me. I've bought some earplugs, and and I think I've... Um, I'm not saying I'm going to have another holiday with him, but it may happen. <laughs> but I'm, I'm suitably prepared now. So um, A or B, I can't quite remember what Alan said now, but... Um, Thanks, Paul. I think that just about covers it. I think that you've realised by Paul's answer that he's taking that one quite personally, Andy. So um, if you're listening <laughs> to this before you see Paul, you can expect uh, a, a violent response uh, when you next bump into <laughs> each other. <laughs> I'll pass you across back to Dave. Thanks, Paul. Okay. Um, well, thank that's the end of the interview. Thanks very much to uh, Paul. There were some difficult questions there. I can he's, he, You can't see him, of course, uh, but he's lying prostrate on the lounge, there's beads of sweat on his brow, and uh, he's looking very uncomfortable. But uh, hopefully with some skillful editing of this interview, uh, he will keep his image as a clean-cut, uh, Cliff Richard-like club runner. Okay, our final section of Podcast 13, the ever-popular Gripes of Wrath. Uh, tonight we have got, obviously, Paul Sager with us, who I'm sure will be able to come out with a few good ones himself once he gets into the sort of party spirit of it. Now, the first one, uh, I'll kick off with the Gripes as per usual, um, is really people who talk when they should be listening. Um, you may think this is something to do with my you know, experiences organising the Skipton Cup. But it is rather annoying when you get several people who always insist on talking when you're trying to make an announcement for their own good, I may add. Don't listen and then cock everything up because they haven't listened and basically look a bit upset and a bit put out that things haven't quite worked out the way they're expected. So my message is, bloody well listen in future. Thank you very much. Okay. That was my first gripe of the evening. I'll try and calm down while Alan goes on to his. Thanks, Dave. I, I can't. Ma that that was uh, he. He was really venting his spleen there, wasn't he? And I remember that. Uh, it, I'm sure he's referring back to last Wednesday when he was <laughs> <sp> <laughs> when he was speaking at the Kip Skip and Cup, and it's always the same people. I have to say, who will not listen, and they think it's okay to just keep talking. Anyway, that was Dave's gripe, not mine. Um, very well founded, I think that day. Uh, I, I a, a gripe uh, um, sent in again by Andy Sharples. Uh, it was this one. It, it's it's almost like he's here. Well, what's not to like? He says. <laughs> <laughs> he says this. He says, the lake. I don't put my glasses on. The lake. Yeah, no, I did. The Lake District National Parks mob have put a massive new raised hardcore path zigzagging across, or paths, shall I say, zigzagging across Craghill, Grassmoor and Gowbarrow. I don't think this is all the same path. Not at all. It's not a dig at Paul Sager off to my right. Completely spoiling the terrain for running and the views are smeared with these monstrosities. If you could imagine the rant I would have, please, oh sorry, that's not part of the rant. Please vent my spleen for you. Well, Andy, I, I've done my best there. I haven't actually seen these paths, but I do know the sort of thing he's talking about. Paul's itching to answer on behalf of the volunteer force that helps the Lake District National Parks um, 
lay these monstrosities across the tops of the fell. So, Paul, how on earth can you justify that? Well, I didn't expect to be standing up for Lake District National Park tonight, but here we go. I mean, uh, these monstrosities which Mr. Sharples is talking about, um, I don't know the particular ones. Oh, I do know the one at Galbarrow, actually. Yes, I've seen that one. These are designed to prevent soil erosion and path maintenance and, and maintain paths. And whilst they may look a bit uh, kind of stark at the start of the work, they will they will blend in and become almost unnoticeable. And can I say to Mr. Sharples that they they are for the betterment of the environment, the betterment of the people who use the paths. So stick that in your pipe and smoke <laughs> it, Mr. Sharples. Tremendous. Uh, I, I can only imagine Andy sitting there seething at that and uh, he'll want to get back here straight away about that. But it's a pity he's not here because he probably would have chinned you. <laughs> uh. Okay, for my second gripe, uh, could be a trilogy this, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Second gripe is ignorant checkout staff. Um, when this happened to me, uh, I made a very strong mental note that every week I would refresh my memory about what had happened. And every time I go into B&M on a Saturday morning to buy some very good value chocolate products and curry sauces, um, I remind myself I have to bring this up at the next podcast, Gripes of Roth section. Something had happened, going to the checkouts, four checkouts at B&M, there's one day, I think it might have been a bank holiday weekend, it might have been August bank holiday, it was packed out, long queues. I got another queue, about eight people. Got to, got to the end of the queue, bar one, and there's the person in front of me, by the way, I'd been standing in the queue for about 10, 15 minutes. As I got to the uh, second from the uh, front, the girl in the checkout said to me, oh, sorry, I'm closing, you can't, uh, I can't serve you here. So I'd waited 10 or 15 minutes. She then... Walked off, I then, cursing, went into another queue. And as I, went into, as I went into the next queue, somebody else came onto the checkout about 15 seconds later to replace her. And about five people jumped in from another queue. So I then had to wait another 15 minutes to get served. Now, hopefully, anybody who's listened to this, I don't really have to explain why I was annoyed by all this. All she had to say was, I'm going for a tea break and somebody will be replacing me straight away. Just just wait one second. I would have been fine. I'm relaxed on a Saturday morning. Not anymore. But she didn't do that. And so consequently, I had to wait about 20 minutes to get my reasonably priced chocolate. So I wasn't very pleased. I did have a word with the lass and said, look, I know it's not your fault. To the great embarrassment of my daughter, Emma, by the way. It's not your fault. But I just want to say this. She says, I'll pass it on. Which I did say to Emma afterwards. No, she won't. So that's my gripe. Uh, I also had an experience in B&M, eh, not B&M, B&Q last night, which uh, I'll keep to myself for now, because I'm getting a bit upset. Right, I'll pass on to uh, Alan for his gripe. Thanks, Dave. It's not running related, but it easily could be. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. I think we have to stop here to administer first aid to Paul, who's dying, just to my right here. Uh, this is just... Uh, uh, our, uh, one of our children, Stuart, is uh, looking for a, a flat. Uh, he's got a job in Manchester. He's looking for a flat. Really hard to get hold of. Um, and uh, it's it's about estate agents. Now, I know they're an easy target, but it's just it's not just about estate agents. It's about people who say they're going to do things and then don't do them. 
Well, I say to somebody, yeah, I'll ring you back if you're not going to ring them back. I absolutely hate that. It's a simple thing. Don't lead people to believe they're going to get a phone call from you and then don't do it. It's a waste of time. It leads to false hopes and expectations and it leads to people forming a bad opinion of you that they didn't need to have formed and it's uh, it's just wrong. So that's the end of my gripe. <laughs> Over to you, Paul. Oh, this is amazing. I never thought or dreamt that I'd ever take part in a grumpy old men session about gripes. But here goes, I've got a few too. <laughs> well, you could you could forgive me for talking about mobile phones because I think both Alan and Dave heard me rant on about mobile phones, but no, I'm not going to talk about the over-reliance, the false importance that people place on any call that comes to their mobile. It just sticks in my craw, but there we go. I'll let that one go. Um, litter, that pisses me off something <laughs> tremendously particularly litter thrown out of moving cars. That seems to be particularly inappropriate to me. Um, the green grocer's apostrophe really annoys me. Um, I saw a fine example of that today in Penrith, actually. Y are you familiar, listeners, with tapas? You know, the kind of Spanish... Uh, Alan's nodding, Dave doesn't have a clue. Um, but have you ever seen an apostrophe after the A in tapas, the second A in tapas? Well, I saw that today. Unbelievable, the ignorance of some people. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm just picking up the vibes from these two, actually. I'm, but my real gripe relates to running, um, and it's dogs. Not particularly dogs, I suppose, but dog owners and their sort of irresponsible attitudes when you run a, approaching a dog which may be off a lead and the owner just says, don't worry, it's perfectly harmless as it slobbers its chops around your genitalia. <laughs> um, there's even a dog where I run which kind of follows me along the whole length of a garden and I'm just worried that one day it might actually get out of this garden and attack me because it barks ferociously. Um, and my partner's had the same problem where people just assume that you, you know, you're kind of quite comfortable with dogs and actually, yes, also in the um, Northumberland Coastal Run, I, d I didn't go on too much about this one on the day, but in fact, Alan might not know about it, but as I was approaching the final, anybody who knows the Northumberland Coastal Run, it finishes on a lovely stretch of beach in Almouth. Um, as I was approaching the line, a dog appeared from absolutely nowhere and almost kind of tripped me up as I was kind of finishing this prestigious and lovely race. And I just thought, what what on earth are dog owners doing with their pets? Why don't they just keep them under control? Grumpy old men signing off. But touched a few uh, raw nerves there, didn't we? But you're on uh, solid ground talking about dogs, dog owners, and leads, especially with Dave. I won't reopen old wounds, but we've been there. Yeah, we've been there. Can't remember which podcast it was on, but that's correct on uh, those extending leads usually that are invisible to runners, generally speaking. Okay, right. Uh, ends of the Gripes of Wrath section. Uh, I think some quick fire ones there from Paul. Tremendous. Uh, he needed no preparation for that. He just reeled off his tongue. He obviously had a bit of pent-up aggression in there, which he's now exercised, which is good. That's what we're here for. Uh, hopefully you're all still sitting comfortably after some of those gripes. Uh, I'd just like to say thank you to Paul Sager, our special guest this week. 
thank you for his uh, lovely um, iced lemon cake from the Vic Cafe, open between 2 and 4 on a Thursday in Kilkeith. Remember, if you're passing or just lost, <laughs> please pop in. He'll be there, Pos hopefully sober. Uh, and also to uh, my co-presenter, Alan Marshall. Okay, and goodbye for me. This is the end of Eden Winners podcast number 13. See you for number 14.